0: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the 29th day of May, 2016. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am recording this outside on a beautiful day. In Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl, as you could probably tell, my voice is shot. As you can also probably tell, I'm a little pooped. I don't like to whine, and I don't like to complain, but your pal Sully has not had—let's uh, just say it—it's been a—it's uh, not been a week that I'm going to put on the highlight reel. It's not going to be a week that someday, if I'm reflecting back on my life, I'm assuming I'm going to see all the beautiful days that have happened in my life, the birth of my kids, my wedding, the day that my son's learned to say my name and hug me, Game 6 of the 2004 American League Championship Series. You know, the special days. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that these days that have happened this week will not be with me then and I will not be smiling remembering this week it's been a rough week it's been a rough week for your pal Sully for work and for other things going on and yet I found a way to do a podcast every single day and I gotta tell you friends the streak was at risk the streak was at risk big time this week, because there was at one point <clears throat> I thought to myself, eh, I can't do it. People have asked me, how do you do it? And this was one of the first weeks where I said, maybe I shouldn't do it. Maybe I should throw in the proverbial towel. But then I thought, nah, eh, I'm not going to let this week defeat. I am not going to let this week beat me. I'm going to pull up the proverbial bootstraps and beat this week. And to do that, I'm going to share it with you because you, my listeners, are the ones who make it worthwhile and the ones that I'm doing this for. I am clearly not doing this for my health. So I want to thank you all who continue to listen and support the show and know that I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to be Kirk Gibson here, but I'm going to follow through this Sunday and do myself a Sunday request because I got a good one. Listen to that voice. I got a good Sunday request from AJ Bianco, great Italian name. A.J. Bianco, who is a uh, listener of the show, I think he's done a Sully Baseball line of the day tweet. And by the way, if there is a line that you like that I've said on the show, you know, don't rely on Alvaro Espinosa, Sully B-ball L-O-T-D. Tweet out S-B-L-O-T-D for your favorite line of the day. And do you know what? Post a review on iTunes and, and tweet it out to your friends. Because I'd like to have this show, I'm, 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 I'm doubling down, I want to see this show expand. So anyway, here's what A.J. Bianco wrote to me um, either Thursday or Friday, I don't remember which day it was. He said, Sully Baseball, that's me. I always wonder, how different would baseball and stats be if all fields had exactly the same walls and foul lines? Now, this is a topic of conversation that I know for a dear friend of mine and friend of the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, Aaron Foley, has brought this topic up. And I know that Trishure, another friend of the podcast and uh, a fantastic comedian and, and is uh, really one of those sports fans who's just super knowledgeable, she brought this up to me when she was on... Uh, my podcast, uh, probably I think it was last uh, August or September. I got to get Trish Shore back on the show, but they—it drives them bananas that the stadiums are of different sizes, that the walls are of different size. You know, you have some high walls, some low walls, that you can have different dimensions. I remember specifically uh, the brilliant writer Chris Regan. Uh, who's, who's written for? He's more Emmys than I can count for The Daily Show and Family Guy and a lot of the great programs he's written for, and I remember when he was watching when we were all still living in New York City. Uh, he was watching the 2003 World Series between the Yankees and the and and the Marlins, and Alex Gonzalez won Game Four of that World Series with a line drive home run, but it was a line drive home run that found a little nook of the wall. Like if, it was a, if the ball was hit like maybe uh, five yards to the right, it would have hit the scoreboard and it would have been a double. But because it went through that little area, almost like in a pinball machine, found that little area, that little space, it became a home run. And I remember him saying to me, how is that possible that you're allowed to do that on a, on a field? I said, well, that's where they just—that's where they put the scoreboard. They, there's no, you know, there's there's no rhyme or reason to it. I mean, you got the left field wall at Fenway Park, and you have all these different things. And <clears throat> I'm not going to add that out. And one of the things that I that I find very interesting is one of the most maligned, um, I guess, developments about stadiums were the cookie cutter multi-purpose ballparks and one thing that they had is that they had basically a uniform outfield it was at a curve it didn't jut in didn't jut out and they were all about the same size so and and I suppose you could build a ballpark that isn't an ugly cookie cutter park but has uniform dimensions. Dodger Stadium is built in that way. At one point the stadium in Anaheim was a stadium in Kansas City Turner Field in uh, Atlanta are stadiums that are not cookie cutter parks but don't have the walls jutting in and out out. And essentially you would have kind of what we have in football. I think the main thing that you would see is, the, well, it would, be, it would be, there would be two things that you would see that would be majorly different. You wouldn't have a team that would design its offense based upon the dimensions of the ballpark. How many right handed hitters have come into Fenway Park aiming for the left field wall? Actually, Fenway Park is also a terrific park for left handed hitters as well, it's just a terrific hitters park in general. How many different Yankee teams have made sure that there were big, strong, left-handed power hitters to aim for that short porch? And that was one of the reasons why the hypothetical trade between the Red Sox and Yankees for Ted Williams for Joe DiMaggio Was so intriguing in a what if situation because you'd have Ted Williams aiming for the left field or for the right field porch in Yankee Stadium and Joe DiMaggio banking him off of the green monster. You know, you had, you know, Willie Mays playing in a pitcher's ballpark all those years in San Francisco. What he could have done if he played at Fenway or if he played at, you know, Milwaukee where Hank Aaron played, which is a Hitter's ballpark and him launching home runs left and right. You wouldn't see teams build around the dimensions of a ballpark. You would see that there would be different factors, however. You know, one of the reasons why the walls are so deep at Coors Field is because of the high altitude. Now, of course, that also, you know—you still can launch balls out of the ballpark there, and the humidor has done some to level things out, but the dimensions make it so there are doubles in the gap and you have to cover more space. If there was a uniform dimensions, yeah, you would still see a park like Coors Field would be a hitter's haven. And you would start to learn more about the environments themselves. I believe that the proximity to the bay may add something to the air at AT AT&T Park that may make it a pitcher's ballpark over a hitter's ballpark. You may see some of the environments around where gusts of wind, where the heat in Texas, where the coolness in Cleveland would affect the flight of the ball more so than the dimensions of a ballpark. You know, there's a lot to be said about having a uniform, you know, stadium. I mean, you certainly, you have that in all the other sports. I mean, you don't have a football stadium. You know, like, oh, when you go to Lambeau Field, the the 50-yard line just juts in a little more. Or you know when you play you play hockey at Madison Square Garden. Look out because midway through midway through the ice there's a hill. You got you got to skate up the hill. You know, or or the goal is only you know the the, the visitor's goal is a little bit to the right. You got to, You know, it's a more in the corner. You know, no, those are all uniform. Those are all uniform, and you see that there is a. You know that that you build a team around the dimensions of a rink or of a court. Now, of course, basketball and hockey are played indoors and the effects of the environment around it are not uh, are not really felt that much. In football, you do see that there's differences in environments where you play. If you're playing in Lambeau, as I said, there's going to be points where it's to be damn cold. You play in Miami, it's gonna be really humid. If you play in Seattle, it's gonna be pouring rain. You know, there are times you see them in, you know, in Buffalo or Cleveland or at New England, where they have to bring out like you know snow plows to to see where the 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 lines in the field are. And you also see when you're playing in. You know, you're playing in. Uh, uh, I mean, I was about to say Dallas is Dallas domed now. I can't remember if the new stadium is domed now. Yeah, I know the. I know Phoenix is playing indoors. They used to play outdoors. You know, in San Diego, you'd be playing in places where it was much warmer. You know, there's so many domed stadiums in football that you know it kind of eliminates the the environment. But you do see how the environment can affect the game. You know, as I as I you know, mentioned, so the, when they played the Super Bowl in New Jersey, you saw. I mean, I was praying that they would be hit with a gigantic blizzard, just because I liked the image of all the people going to the Super Bowl covered in snow. But you would see weather become a much bigger issue in baseball. You would see the natural environments. Play a bigger part in the game. And maybe, you know, the uniform fences might be more fair in terms of, you know, running and, and foul balls and everything like that. But you might see a pitcher may prefer to pitch in San Diego and Los Angeles as opposed to Texas. Or you may see that the teams that play in domes became the most popular one for whatever reason. So, how would it be different? What kind of stats would be different? I think that you would see some equalization. I think maybe cities like Boston and New York would not be havens for you know, big sluggers and heroes and, and, and hitters, although there's not been much for the Yankees in the last year or so. You may neutralize the pitching advantages of a place like L.A. or Detroit, or San Diego, and it may, but I don't think it would mean suddenly all the stadiums would be, it would be equal. As I said, the different environments, the different weather patterns, temperatures, and everything like that would affect a team and may affect how a player wants to play in this place or that. You might see the home run champion come out of a place like Texas, but then again, you may see that happen anyway. I wonder if it would be, if it would make much of a giant difference. You see, during the time of the cookie cutter ballparks, you didn't see gigantic records being—you know—you didn't have huge home run totals and everything like that. Thirty or forty home runs would put you near the top of the league in most of those years. But you also saw a lot of artificial turf. And one of the things that you have to remember about the era of artificial turf was that teams played for that. They built their teams around that. You saw teams that had speed, and you saw teams that slapped the ball and outran it, it became prevalent during that era. So there is an element of you know, there, there is an element of playing on the not the walls and not the weather, but the surface itself that could play an advantage. And maybe you would see, you don't necessarily have to just have uniform foul grounds. You would have something like Oakland, where there's, like, there's acres of foul territory to make a catch, as opposed to Fenway, where there's zero. But you'd also have to see is the grass uniform? Is the turf uniform? Because you've had, you've seen some teams that have hard surfaces, some some teams that had artificial surface, some teams where the grass is high, some of them where the grass is low, and this and that. And the other thing you'd have to have the whole damn thing be uniform, and that seems like it should be what you would want and what fans would want. Except the exact opposite is true. The reason why we have these stadiums with things jutting out. And unusual dimensions and everything like that. The reason why that exists is because of money. Because fans flocked to see Camden Yards with its idiosyncrasies, with the walls jutting in and out, the old timey feel. And that became the model of success that every team wanted. Look at the previous two ballparks that were built before Camden Yards. You had the Sky Dome, now called the Rogers Center, in Toronto. You then had New Comiskey Park, now called U.S. Cellular Field, in Chicago. Modern stadiums, and you will notice their dimensions are pretty symmetrical. There's not things jutting in or things jutting out left and right. That's what you would have. You'd have a dome in Toronto with the hotels and all the other stuff. You'd have the concourse around in Chicago, and it would have the uniform curve in the outfield, and that's what it would look and feel like. Then Camden Yards showed up, and that's what everyone clamored for. That's what everyone wanted. They like the quirkiness. They like the unpredictability. And you will see that the, in the massive explosion of ballparks that has come up since then. Cleveland, Texas, Houston, Atlanta's going to have two. San Diego, the Giants, the, the Cardinals. I mean, cities that didn't need a stadium, new stadium. The Yankees didn't need a new stadium. They got one. And it's got the eccentricities and the this and the that and the other thing. The city field things jut in, things jut out with no rhyme or reason. There's a damn hill in center field in Houston that doesn't make any sense. Because the idea of the quirky, old-timey look for baseball became what everyone clamored for. And not uniformity. So, and, of course, that also led to most of them becoming hitters' ballparks. So you saw the explosion in offense that helped pay for those stadiums because they were filled with people wanting to see home runs fly out of the ballpark. What would you have seen? I think you probably would have seen a closer game to what we had in the 70s and 80s if we had a uniform foul territory And all these fields had the same walls and the same foul lines. I think you would see fewer 50 home run seasons. I think you would see uh, fewer slugging records falling. You may see more consistent pitching. You may see a greater emphasis on speed because they can't take advantage of the dimensions the way they do now. Would that be a better game? Maybe it would be. But that would also mean losing out on the Camden Yards of the world. And believe me, looking at the bottom line, baseball is quite happy to have those stands jut in and the foul territory go out because it makes the experience of going to the ball game a new experience. And think about that for a second. What was the the experience of going to Veterans Stadium, Three Rivers Stadium, Riverfront Stadium? I went to all those parks. And your memory is, look on the ground. You're going to follow the teams. Some of the great teams in Pittsburgh history played in Three Rivers Stadium. The greatest Reds teams of all time played in Riverfront Stadium. Some of the best Phillies teams in history played at Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia. But the experience is not the ballpark. Now, you know, if you go there and say, oh, I was at Three Rivers Stadium. And you go, you sit down and say, yep, that's where everything is. As opposed to the experience of going to a new ballpark, like when I went down to Petco, and you're wandering around, you take a look and say, oh, look at that. Look at the look at the the, the warehouse that they they built in there. And look at the beach in center field. And look at how those stands jut in. It becomes visually aesthetic, and it becomes an experience beyond just dragging yourself to a game where... The stadium looks exactly the same. That's why it happens. Because you and me and everyone who listens to the show collect the experience of going to a ballpark. When Cubs fan with an eight comes over here from Switzerland and wanders around the damn country, like Kane from Kung Fu, as they said in Pulp Fiction, and goes from ballpark to ballpark, if they all look the same, the experience would be just the same. So, what would it be like? It'd be like basketball and hockey. You go to those different arenas. It's like, oh, wow, in this stadium. Yeah, what happens? Well, there, there's a basketball net there and a basketball net there. And then there's a scoreboard. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot like the one they have in Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. So, look at AJ Bianco. I really don't know if I answered your question or not. And, uh, quite frankly... I did about 10 minutes longer than I thought I was going to, so that was the best I can give you on this day where my voice is gone, I'm a little lightheaded, and frankly, I'm glad I finished this week. I'm glad I made it through to the end. It wasn't the easiest week I've had, but do you know what? I'm glad I can share it, because these 20-25 minutes a day that I talk into my little microphone, are sometimes the best days and the happiest times of my week. And I'm glad that we can share them together. Go to MLBReports.com to see the up-to-date listing of who owns baseball. Because believe me, I have not updated it yet. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, where so I have an iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. You can be old school. Send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker, Patrick Kalisky, this has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 29th day of May, 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Oh, I gotta lie down. You can call me Sully.